mountains that I appreciate all of you even more. Thank you for being here with us. <laughs> it is a beautiful, very, very cold, but beautiful day. And winter, I told you it would come. It's here. So we are in the season of epiphany. Epiphany, an, an immediate, often surprising and meaningful understanding of something. A new awareness. In the Christian context, we expect that epiphany is about the revelation of Jesus about finding Jesus, witnessing Jesus in various surprising, unexpected moments. Did you know that the word light appears a dozen times in just the first chapter of John? And I think of epiphany as the light of God shining into the world in new ways, shining a light in dark corners and nooks and crannies so you see the world differently. And those epiphanies have the capacity to change us in profound ways. The story from 1 Samuel is Samuel's prophetic call, a new awareness of God's presence in his life. I love the stories of prophetic calls in the Hebrew Bible, stories of ordinary people being engaged by God in extraordinary ways to do God's work in the world. They may not always have the sense of immediate awareness that we associate with epiphanies, but they do bring with them a new awareness and profound personal change. Samuel's call is a sweet story, although heart-wrenching in its own way. Samuel, probably no more than 12 years old, was living um, under Eli's tutelage. Eli was his beloved mentor. Eli, Eli is said loved Samuel like a son, and Samuel loved Eli. While sleeping one night, Samuel hears a voice calling out to him. And so he runs to Eli to see what he needs, and I imagine young Samuel eager and wanting to please, scurrying along to Eli. What is it? What can I do for you? What's going on? What do you need? And Eli says, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And so Eli goes back to be bed and goes back to bed and then again he hears this voice Eli I'm Samuel Samuel and so he gets up and he runs into Eli what do you need I'm here I heard you call and again Eli says I didn't call you go and lay back down and then the third time he hears this again and he runs into Eli and at this point Eli has figured out who is calling Samuel it is the voice of God and so Eli says to him, when you hear the voice again, say, it is I, God. Lord, I'm here. I'm listening. That's a paraphrase. Um, so when it happens that third time, Eli, Samuel goes running into Eli. No, sorry. I got totally off base there. The third time, that's when Eli says the words, and I was trying to find them on my script, I mean on my um, bulletin. He basically says, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. There we are, back on track. And then, and then Eli goes back and lays down, and he hears the voice again, and he says the words, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. It says in between in there that Samuel didn't yet know the Lord. Right? Sam, God hadn't been yet revealed to Samuel. 
he wasn't ready to understand the call, and it took Eli's gentle instruction for Samuel to open himself up to God. Now the Lord came and stood there calling Samuel, and, he, and Samuel responded. And what God reveals to Samuel in that moment will break Samuel's heart because God tells him that Eli and his house will be destroyed. And Samuel goes back to his bed and lays until morning, wide awake, I imagine, tortured, heartbroken by what God has told him. But in the morning, he faithfully goes to Eli and tells him exactly what God told him. And as Samuel grows up, the Lord is with him, and Samuel faithfully shares the words of God. It says, and I love this phrase, he let none of God's words fall to the ground, proving himself to be a trustworthy prophet to the Lord. God often asks much of us, often hard things, but living in awareness of God's love, we can do hard things. Samuel did hard things, and he was irrevocably changed by his relationship with God, by his awakening to God's presence in his life. And Samuel's story is just one of the many stories of prophetic call in the Hebrew Bible. There's the great story of Moses and the burning bush, right? And Moses notices that the bush is burning but not being consumed, and then he hears this voice calling out, Moses, Moses. And he says, here I am. And the voice of God, as it turns out, tells Moses to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And Moses resists. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the, Egypt, the Israelites out of Egypt? I'm no one. And God assures Moses, saying, I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. You can do hard things. One of my favorite stories of prophetic call is in Jeremiah. I love the story of Jeremiah. It says the word of Lord came to Jeremiah. I want to make note of that. This is a sermon on all, all on its own, so I'm not going to talk about it, but listen to those words. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, a direct link to the word made flesh in the incarnate Jesus. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. And it said... Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And Jeremiah responds, I don't know how to speak. I don't know what to say. I'm just a boy. And the Lord says, don't say I'm just a boy. Go to everyone I send you to and tell them what I command you to tell them. Don't be afraid. I am with you and will rescue you. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched Jeremiah's mouth and said to him, I have put my words in your mouth. These are extraordinary stories of God, the holy, the divine, entering into the world and calling very ordinary people to do God's work. Moses, Jeremiah, Samuel, Gideon, Isaiah, Amos, others, many others. The stories about the call to prophecy have a rhythm and a pattern to them. There's a normal person 
often notable for their ordinariness, or even what society would consider their lack of status or value. And God enters into their world in surprising, shocking ways. And their lives and their hearts are changed. There's a supernatural, mystical, otherworldly aspect to these stories. A voice in the night, a burning bush. A seraphim who places a burning coal on Isaiah's lips. Or the hand of God who places God's words in Jeremiah's mouth. God entering into the world. And then the very human responses, confusion, misunderstanding, denial, intentional ignorance of what is happening, a sense of unworthiness, unfitness, or unwillingness, resistance. And then assurance from God that God will always be with them. An awareness that we are a necessary part of God's presence on earth. God's love is understood through our lips in our eyes, in our hands, in our hearts, and eventually acceptance, and a deep change of heart and a new awareness of self. Something struck me in a new way this week when I was reading the Hebrew scripture and then the psalm and then the gospel and t together. I was struck by the similarities and yet the differences between the calls to prophecy in the Hebrew Bible and Jesus' calls called a discipleship in John. It's an epiphany of sorts, if you will, that made me more conscious of the power of the incarnate God and what that really means and how that plays out, how different our relationships with God can be because of the person of Jesus. Jesus is walking along in Galilee and he finds Philip on the side of the road and he says, follow me. And Philip does, but first he goes out to find his friends and tell them that he has met the one they have waited for, the one Moses told them would come, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. And Nathaniel, his friend, is a skeptic, and he sort of scoffs, and he says, did anything good ever come out of Nazareth? Philip says, come, come and see. In place of the otherworldly visions of God, this call to discipleship, a call to be God's people and do God's work, is earthy and human. Jesus promises that heaven will open and angels will descend later in time. But for right now, he is simply the son of Joseph of Nazareth. And I was moved by the distinction and the power of the incarnate God, this not not an otherworldly experience for Philip or Nathaniel. It is real. This is a man that they can see and touch and talk to and ask questions of, a man whom they will come to know and love as a brother. And yet they go through the same process the earlier prophets did, a confrontation or engagement with God, a call to action, objection, resistance, assurance that God will be with them, an acceptance or embracing of the call. Come and see, follow. We, all of us here today, don't have the luxury of knowing Jesus in the flesh like Philip and Nathaniel did, of meeting him along the side of the road. We can know Jesus through scripture, through worship. We can know Jesus through one another. And we can know Jesus through little epiphanies that can come, 
also through scripture and through worship and through one another, but through nature, through meditation, through prayer, through unexplained experiences that we cannot put word to, but we know are the presence of God. Epiphany, an immediate and meaningful understanding of something surprising, sudden, profound. Epiphany, an experience of Christ, a revelation of Christ, a revelation of God's presence in the world. An epiphany can happen at any time, of course, but the season of epiphany is a wonderful time to think about what it means to open ourselves to finding Jesus, finding God in revelatory, unexpected moments. And in those moments of finding God, perhaps finding ourselves. In those moments when Jesus is revealed to us, when we find Jesus new, is also when we have an opportunity to allow our hearts to be changed and to come to know ourselves in new ways, who you are and who you are called to be. When you realize your identity as a follower, a disciple, and get a glimpse, perhaps a new glimpse, and here's the epiphany, right? It's something you have not seen before when it comes to your own faith, your own concept of what it means to believe or to be called. You're changed, and you are found anew. Something shifts in you, and we resist or enter into the new awareness of God's presence reluctantly because we're afraid that too much will be asked of us. We are afraid of the inevitable change that will occur. Sometimes, and probably for me more often than not, the awareness of God's love and presence in my life comes through interaction with other people when that sense of deep connection, of God's love at work in our lives is most profound, sometimes in a pastoral moment, when somebody's heart is breaking and you're able to sit with them and cry with them and feel that pain with them, that raw, open wound. Or, conversely, in those moments, for me it always happens with my oldest sister where we sit and we just laugh, and we laugh until tears are coming down your face and your side hurts. Has ever happened to any of you? It's the best feeling. <laughs> And in those moments, you become conscious of the gift of God's love in the world in a new way. And those are God moments. Or sometimes in the quietness of my own mind, out on a walk in nature, and the undeniable existence of, love, of a loving God just washes over you. God comes to us in myriad ways, and sometimes we are open to accepting that overwhelming love in our lives, and sometimes we aren't. Sometimes, like Samuel, we're not ready to know God yet. Sometimes, like Moses and Gideon and Jeremiah, we don't feel worthy. Sometimes, like Nathaniel, we're just skeptical. And I've tried throughout my life very hard to be open to where that presence is calling me, to the epiphanies along the way. It's not always easy. And sometimes when God is seeking me out, I want to hide. Sometimes, a lot of the time, I don't want to be found. Because let's face it, being found isn't always a good or comfortable thing. Sometimes it takes you in a direction or a place that you never thought you would go. It took me here, right here. And sometimes I stop and I think, how did I get here? Right? Because I listened 
Sometimes epiphanies force you out of your comfort zone and you shake your head. What the heck is going on? This is not where I thought my life would be. But, but I, I feel that I was called into this place. And we talk about call very easily when, when we thought, talk about church and ordination. What are you, are you called to the priesthood? But I feel like we all have a call in some way. And I don't mean about what your career is, but where is your heart calling you? Where is your heart taking you? Where does your, your, your relationship with God and how is that changing and moving and morphing? And, and how do you experience that anew from one day to the next? What is your call? When did you first hear or feel or sense a call to follow Jesus? It's not language. We're necessarily very comfortable with, is it? But we are all here. We're all here together this morning in this place. And something called each of us here. And by being here at some level, we are entering into discipleship, following Christ on the road. You, me, we are a part of a community of people who tacitly agree to follow in Jesus' path. In our parlance at St. John's, we might say that we are committed to being love-spreading difference makers, right? That is the path Jesus has invited us to follow, and we are here Something got a hold of our hearts, our minds, our hopes, our souls. For some reason, we each keep coming back, I hope. The story of God's presence in our lives, the possibility of God's love in our lives changed our hearts in some way. The epiphany season and all the seasons of your life, I encourage you to keep yourselves open as God continues to call you into new awareness, and continually changes your heart. When God calls, your, I hope your response will be, here I am, God. Amen.